Welcome to Nutrition Without Compromise, a podcast brought to you by Orlo Nutrition. We believe that nutrition shouldn't be an either-or, that you should never have to sacrifice your morals for your health or that of our home planet. Join natural products veteran Karina Belizzi and experts from around the globe as they discuss healthy solutions that are better for you and better for the planet. Welcome to Nutrition Without Compromise. I'm your host, Karina Blizzy, and today I have a bonus episode for you. This is my guest appearance on another show called A Sustainable Mind, hosted by Marjorie Alexander. This episode was even selected by sustainabilitymag.com as a top 10 podcast episode. It was featured as number 10, and we're very proud to have made the list. So without further ado, here's the show. Enjoy. The potential of the world's first plant, microalgaes, I mean, they have been around for billions of years, right? The power of these microalgae is really incredible because they don't have to spend their time and energy and effort as an organism on creating wood or fibers. They've just got their little single cell lives to live, so to speak. And so they put all of that energy into creating powerful nutrients. And so what we're able to harness out of the algae strains that we're growing is incredible. In fact, we've identified 19 different amino acids that are vital amino acids that we need in our diets present in this algae. So 10 years down the road, maybe even less, I think we're looking at a world where we can literally feed people the protein they need to thrive and have it come exclusively from algae. This is A Sustainable Mind, where we delve into the minds behind today's most impactful environmental campaigns, organizations, and startups, inspiring the environmental changemakers of tomorrow. I'm your host, Marjorie Alexander. Today, we are joined by Karina Belize, a natural products industry executive and omega-3 expert who pioneered the growth of organic naturals from less than $1 million to over $100 million in annual sales. Given her concern for the future health of people and the planet, she shifted her focus from fish-sourced omegas to algae in 2016. An activist at heart, she launched her podcast, Care More, Be Better, in 2021 to focus on social and ecological issues that affect us all. Today, Karina leads the Orlo Nutrition brand, a new brand that features the world's first carbon-negative omega-3s. She hosts a new podcast, Nutrition Without Compromise, to support that effort as well. She covers health topics without compromising your ethics or the health of our home planet. So Karina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for sponsoring your episode, sponsoring episodes of A Sustainable Mind. Really helps us to spread the good word of what people are doing at home and in their own communities to help people and planet. So can you give us an idea of how nature, the environment, and sustainability played a role in your childhood growing up? Let's start off with that. Well, I have a little bit of a non-traditional history because I grew up on a hippie commune. 
And so my connection to food, to nature, to, well, really just kind of holistic living was ingrained from a very early point in my life. I think my playground was always outside. I was in the pasture playing with kindling and blocks of wood that I would draw on. I was always in the natural world. And so ultimately, it felt like home to me. And I think the moment that I woke up in the morning, I would head out into the woods or out into my yard and be among the the birds and the insects and the creatures that live there at my home in Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's get started with kind of how you went from that lifestyle. Like you said, it's a little bit unique and coming into uh, early adulthood. I find that so many of us, whether we have a lot of interaction with nature or perhaps really none at all, that plays such a huge part in how we interact with nature and whatever our environment happens to be, whether it's greenery or a built environment later on in life. So tell us about your early career and how exactly uh, that all came about, maybe your your route to where you are now. Yeah, well, again, I would say it's a bit non-traditional. I mean, I was a competition mountain biker, again, spending a lot of my time outdoors while I went to college and studied anthropology and archaeology. So for my undergrad, I did archaeological digs in France in the countryside and also in California. And again, much of my time spent outdoors doing what they call in French gratte terre, which is to dig in the dirt and ultimately discover bits of our history that predate the spoken word in many cases, or not the spoken word, rather the written word. And so when I came out of college with a degree in anthropology, I basically understood Well, I need to really figure out how I'm going to thrive financially because I'm not independently wealthy and going to graduate school for something like archaeology is quite expensive. And so I chose to really kind of go back to my roots in a way and dove deep into the world of natural products, first working for an herbal extract company and working to formulate products that would sustain people's health using herbal extracts that came from the earth, many of which are wild crafted. And then into the world of omega-3s, where I've spent the bulk of my career simply because there's so much phenomenal research behind the impact that they can have on our long-term health. And ultimately, I've just remained really keyed in to what does sustainability mean as it comes to health and human nutrition, and what are the things that we can do as individuals to support our health without negatively impacting the environments of the world. The reality is it's getting harder and harder. So that's yeah. where I've focused much of my career. That's where I focus a lot of my personal efforts, like even to composting in my own home to make sure that I'm creating dirt from the organic material in my home as opposed to something that could become more toxic and create methane and everything else that we don't need in our atmosphere. Absolutely. So many things I would love to go back to and ask uh, deeper questions about, especially the extracts. I I find extracts uh, really interesting, how they are created and and the benefits of those. But we are here to focus specifically on omega-3s. And one thing I think about a lot is like, what is omega-3? So let's start there. Let's make sure that we set a little bit of of groundwork here so that our our listeners can understand what we're talking about. Can you talk about what omega-3s are and why we need them? Okay, well, simply put, 
Omega-3s are a class of essential fatty acids, and what makes them essential is that our bodies need them to function, but we cannot create them within our bodies. So you look at them in a way like you would look at vitamins. But if you walk out into the sun, you can make vitamin D, right? You can't make omega-3. You also can't make omega-6, right? However, omega-6 is something that's in abundance in our diets. It's in all the vegetable oils that you're used to hearing about, from soy oil to corn oil to really a lot of animal meats and everything else. They just, because they're fed more grains and things that are high in omega-6s, they develop high levels of omega-6s. And the important thing to note is these two things need to be in balance in our bodies in order to remain at our best health. And so because omega-3s are less present in common foods, we're thrown out of whack. And that's what makes them even more critical and why you hear more about them than you hear about omega-6s. Mm-hmm. And let's go through like the overall benefits of omega-3. If I go to the store and I buy a bottle of uh, traditionally sourced omega-3 tablets or uh, gel pills, what on the back will this package tell me that I can, the benefits that I can expect from this product? Well, depending on how responsible the company is, they might tell you some things that may be a little stretch of what the FDA would like you to be told. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, because they're used in every cell within our bodies, the trillions of cells that comprise our bodies, they help to support your heart health, your brain health, your skin health, your entire healthy body function. And so when we are, let's say, deficient in these important fats, and it's somewhat easy to become deficient if you're eating a standard diet, then some of these systems start to fail. And people will notice things about their health that are difficult to put a single cause on, right? They'll just say, oh, well, your activity must be too low. Maybe you're not eating right But we've seen ties to things like, you know, fading vision health or brain fog or, you know, these sorts of things that you just, you know, might be wandering around your house going, where did I put my keys? And or where are my sunglasses? And they're on your head. And, you know, you're just kind of (laughs) in this so-called daze. And so when people start to consume omega-3s in supplementary form, especially if they've been deficient for a long, long time they'll notice almost an immediate benefit, like within days, because their system just basically absorbs all these omega-3s, start building new cells with them. And suddenly all of your systems, even down to your dendrites firing in your brain as signals, your nervous system operating functionally. Some people experience less pain because of the fact that they might have been oversensitized by having too much rampant inflammation in their bodies because they didn't have a good balance of omega fats. And so suddenly somebody who was deficient starts taking an omega-3 and actually experiences life-changing results. Now, this doesn't happen to every person every time because people have a wide array of how deficient they've actually become. And so a lot of the educational efforts that I would put out into the world have to do with insufficiency, right? So most people are consuming an insufficient amount of omega-3 if they add it. They're going to operate more optimally, more functionally. Their red blood cells are going to be a little more slippery in their bodies. They'll be less likely to get blood clots. I mean, there's all sorts of things that you can see as a benefit from getting the right balance of these fats. And, you know, you could make a claim about circulatory health and have the FDA crawl up your, you know what, but the the reality is that 
that there are so many benefits to omega-3s that sometimes it seems like it's rhetoric or it couldn't possibly be true. But when you get into the core understanding of what cellular biology says about your health, it starts to really make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, by the way, for for going into a pretty good amount of detail. And I'm actually going to make sure to attach or link to this great blog post on the orlonutrition.com website, uh, which goes into these things in even more detail. And there are a couple of illustrations on there that are really helpful. I might've written that. (laughs) Yeah, but I, you know, me personally, whenever I think of omega-3s, I'm like, oh, joint health. But like, literally that's all that Mm -hmm. I know. And I'm not even sure, I I was not even sure why, why it's beneficial Mm -hmm. for joints, just that it is. So thank you for going into that. And I will make sure to link that specific blog post in the show notes for that episode. So go ahead and check out the description. You can learn a lot more there. But let's go into talking about the source of omega-3s. Traditional omega-3 gel capsules or whatever you want to call them typically come from fish. And the awesome thing about uh, Orlo's product is that it is algae-based. So can you share with us, I mean, obviously the why, uh, it'd be, you know, really nice to have a vegan option or just, you know, have vegan everything ideally, but why is it that it was so important for you to go in this direction of having basically a fish list of source of omega-3s and what were kind of some of the challenges that you were coming up against as you all were, you'd already developed the process and the product, but in really growing that and kind of increasing education and brand awareness to get you to that $100 million number. Yeah, well, it's really interesting to me because just looking at the calendar, today would mark my 20 years and probably two weeks, almost to the date since I had joined Nordic Naturals and began working in the omega-3 space to put fish oils on the map right? Mm-hmm. And fish oils at that time were really seen as something that would cause you to burp up and have these negative effects and ultimately be a product that would benefit your health by supplying the direct source of the omega-3s, EPA and DHA. Mm. And at the time that I joined Nordic Naturals all those years ago, I didn't understand that the fish were getting their omega-3s, EPA and DHA specifically from the algae they consumed, okay? So we, I think, were, were taught in a way or we thought that the fish essentially would eat algaes and much the way we would consume something like flax oil, which is a plant-based omega-3 alpha-linolenic acid, we'd build that flaxseed into EPA and DHA that our bodies need, but it's a very expensive process. It takes something like 15 different steps to actually get to the EPA and the DHA, right? different desaturases, enzymes, things along those lines to ultimately get to the two most active omega-3s that the research is really behind. And so the long and the short of it was we thought, at least a lot of the people working in sales and marketing for the company, that the fish were essentially taking care of that piece. Like they were creating EPA and DHA from these plant-based nutrients that they consumed, but it was from the algae that they got these nutrients. And so When I kind of came to that light with um, while I was at Nordic Naturals, I was an advocate for us releasing algae products and doing them in a vegetarian soft gel. 
And that company was among the first to actually release a product like that that wasn't in a gelatin soft gel that was purely vegetarian and a direct source of, you know, these important fats. But the reality today is that fish have experienced fluctuating levels of EPA and DHA because our ocean health is changing, our ocean temperatures are shifting. So even if overfishing weren't a problem, which it is, even if our ocean health and ecosystem collapse wasn't on the horizon, which unfortunately it is, unless things dramatically change, Mm -hmm. we would really benefit from producing mindful omega-3s from this vegetarian source because it is something that doesn't require you to go to the ocean or to take from these resources, right? So really, there have been so many advents and um, and so many leaps within the technological space for what we can harness from these algae species that today there really is no reason to have to go to fish for your Mm omega-3s. You can literally extract EPA, DHA, and other phytonutrients from these algaes that will both be more absorbable in your body because they supply direct sources of EPA and DHA, but they also might contain polar lipids, phospholipids, and glycolipids that are present in the algae that we produce at Orlo Nutrition. And so these specific types of fats are even more absorbable than those from fish oil and have been documented to be more absorbable even than those in krill. And krill was seen for a long, long time as kind of the diamond of the omega-3 because you had these phospholipids present in the krill, which enabled the oil to be more readily absorbed into your body, which meant that you could see more immediate effect from capturing and consuming these really vital omega-3 fatty acids. And so now we do that with algae. Why go to the fish? You can cut them out entirely. Right. So my brain is going in a million directions and I'm like, is saying what I'm about to say here the, to the highest benefit of the audience? Because when I think about industries changing the way that they do things, I often think about the business owner who, for whatever reason, because they didn't have the infrastructure mm-hmm. or uh, they didn't have access to algae or, or whatever the case, or just plain were not educated on, on how to actually get omega-3s from non-fish sources. If I am a business owner and I create omega-3 soft gels currently using a, a fish source, is there a way that someone who runs a business like that can transition and start uh, extracting that omega-3 from algae? Or is it completely different machinery, completely different process, completely different? Like, is it something where someone who owns a business could pivot? Because when I think of there's no reason, quote unquote, to, to make this, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to make the switch. While I totally agree with that, I then think of the individual business owner, you know, I'm not talking about like Centrum, right? You know, a smaller, (laughs) (laughs) a much smaller company who really is taking these numbers into account. Is that something that you've seen happen? Is that possible? What are your thoughts on that? I know that's super specific. No, I'm, it's something I've thought a lot about. And so, you know, uh, during the time where I was at that fish oil giant that I worked to build that is Nordic Naturals, 
you know, there was some resistance initially to working with algae because why? You can get all the omega-3 EPA and DHA you need from the fish and it's very healthy. And you have to also consider that the company has Norwegian roots. And for those Norwegians, fishing is a way of life. Mm-hmm. And it's like you are essentially questioning their way of life when you start to question whether or not we could consume something from a vegetarian source that doesn't come from fish, right? That and the machinery is very different. The equipment to extract and grow algae is completely different than would be required to capture the fish from the ocean and then process them. These companies, especially those that are rooted in fish oils, you know, you have to think about things like the contracts with fishermen, the reality of the equipment that they've built, which is very, very expensive to extract the oils that they can, the economies of scale that they've already built in to their business model. And so shifting something that even when it is a relatively large company that has the resources that might be required to pivot, there are so many questions that come up about, will I lose my customer base? How can this pivot happen quickly? If it was to happen quickly, what would that do to my revenue streams? And how might um, that affect my future forward perspective with all the infrastructure that I've already built? So from a business standpoint, it has so many questions in it, right? And so what you'll see most companies do is release one or two products that are in this space, test it out, you know, and make little baby steps in that direction. And that's what we presently see from a lot of these companies who had been really deep in the omega-3 fish oil space, even including a brand that's family owned and operated called Wiley's Finest. I mean, they have their own fishing operation. They have their own extraction arm of the business that fishes for Alaskan Pollock, which is very similar to cod, right? They extract that for EPA and DHA and they supply it to the industry under their Alaska Omega brand, which is their raw material side. And then many of these companies rely on that. Well, that company has also moved into producing an algae product for the consumer. They call it catch free omega. And it's simply omega threes from algae. Doesn't have the phospholipids or glycolipids like I was speaking about. So, you know really more comparable to fish oil, like on an even keel. Whereas what we have worked to do with Orlo and with our technology is to create something that's even a level up from that. And partially the reason for that is to convince people that might not necessarily say, oh, I'll give up my fish oil, that maybe this is actually better for them. Not only is it vegetarian, but it's actually better. And so my thinking long term is that we can even capture some of those people who have become avid supporters of fish oils because we're doing it better, because it actually is more absorbable. Not only is it the world's first carbon negative omega-3, and we can document that, but it's something that has a more improved function in the body because they're able to absorb it more quickly and better. So that's really the meat of what we're working to do. At the same time that I, in some ways, feel like, you know, this effort in some ways, it's penance for the successes I had at Nordic Naturals, you know, the fish oil company I have immense respect for. I mean, I still I love the brand, the company, the people that have built it, the founder. I mean, incredible people who really worked to disrupt an industry that was replete with really poor quality omega-3s before they came into it. They leveled up the game. Now that's what we're doing here with Orlo. Wonderful, wonderful. I want to make sure that everyone listening knows exactly where they can learn more about the Orlo brand and grab a bottle. 
head on over to orlonutrition.com. That's spelled O-R-L-O nutrition.com. And I do want to get into a couple more questions just more generally about vertical agriculture and, and other things that involve algae. But I really just want to make sure that people kind of understand the importance of us moving to a plant-based future. We have definitely made an effort here at A Sustainable Mind to interview people and brands in the space that are moving in this direction. And, and like we've been discussing, it's not always the easiest or le less expensive option, but it is definitely important. And when it comes to not just protecting the planet, but also our health, these are a lot of steps. If you're going to be taking, you know, vitamins and supplements anyway, making sure that those sources are plant-based, if not vegan, is really, really important. So head on over to orlonutrition.com. That link will also be in the show notes. So Karina, I want to talk just a little bit more generally. I personally have a lot of interest in algae in vertical farming, in urban farming, all sorts of things. But when you think a little bit more big picture outside of specifically omega-3 supplements, when you think a little bit bigger out to the possibilities of what basically the power of algae, what that actually means potentially for the future of this planet, what does that make you think of? What are possibilities out there that you feel are untapped? Or what are even some partnerships that Orlo is really looking into so that the work that you are doing to extract this nutritional value from algae is actually paired with an organization that's growing algae in a specific way. How do you see algae playing a role in the next you know, 10 years as the sustainability industry grows? Well, I have to say this question gave me the chills because <laughs> it's the stuff that gets me really excited, right? Because where we are now is like my, my complete wheelhouse with these omega-3s. Yeah. But the potential of uh, the world's first plant microalgaes, I mean, they have been around for billions of years, right? The power of these microalgae is really incredible because they don't have to spend their time and energy and effort as an organism on creating wood or fibers. They've just got their little single cell lives to live, so to speak. And so they put all of that energy into creating powerful nutrients. And so what we're able to harness out of the algae strains that we're growing is incredible. In fact, we've identified 19 different amino acids that are vital amino acids that we need in our diets present in this algae. So 10 years down the road, maybe even less, I think we're looking at a world where we can literally feed people the protein they need to thrive and have it come exclusively from algae. Because algae is something that has an exponential growth rate. It essentially needs to be continually harvested. Mm. It needs inputs like sun or light. And then perhaps in some cases, some companies are using uh, sugars and they're growing their algae by fermentation. We're growing by photosynthesis using the power of light. And so in our vertical farms, which I would encourage people to check out by just going to the parent company's website, which is vaxa.life. Vaxa means growth in Icelandic. And the plant is actually in Iceland using energy that comes exclusively from 
planet energy, thermonuclear energy, right? So taking the energy that comes up the vents and creating power from that. We feed the algae waste stream carbon from that. And we're able to grow in these beautiful vertical kind of tubes that look like this kind of fuchsia pink because algae likes to grow with blue and red light. You blend them together and it's like this beautiful pink, right? They don't like UV. You give them too much UV, they tend to burn. And you give them optimized growing conditions using artificial intelligence. And suddenly you have an algae that's even more powerful than something you would grow in an open pond that isn't going to suffer because you had a really hot summer day or a storm blew through that brought in other species of algae and insects that might eat it. It's a closed system, so you can really control how it grows. And even the things that you feed it to optimize its growth and optimize your output, right? So at the end, you can get a product that has all the phytonutrients that are present in the algae, all the protein, all the omegas, all of the polar lipids that help you absorb those omegas, right? And ultimately, you're getting a whole nutrition source from that algae that's comparable to the protein nutrition you would get from eating a farm fresh egg, right? So it's really an incredible nutrition source. But that's also not to discount other avenues of using algae. There's a company that is producing plastic alternatives called Not Plav or Not PLA, right? There's another company that is creating algae inks from waste stream algae. So after you've extracted all the nutrition from it, they're able to make a really great carbon black. Mm. I'm actually wearing a t-shirt that's printed with that right now. And I know this isn't a video podcast, but I was prepared (laughs) for everything. And so the t-shirts that we sell on Orlo's site are made of organic cotton printed with algae ink. The t-shirts are cut, finished, meaning stitched and printed in California. So responsibly made, somewhat fashionable. I think they're fashionable. Printed with algae ink. These are all examples of ways that we can create products that are sustainable without being in this really extractive world where for every bottle of omega-3s you might be consuming, you're essentially killing 110 pelagic fish. Those are the small fish, the feeder fish along Mm. the food chain, Mm -hmm. right? To get those omegas and also creating a lot of carbon emissions because fishing is expensive from that perspective. Instead, you're going to algae. That sounds awesome. And when you mentioned this site, vaxa.life, V-A-X-A dot life, I clicked over and I tell you this, I'm totally going to geek out on this. <laughs> it looks like it's like totally science fiction, doesn't it? It is. I, I mean, love this. Stuff. I'm reminded of the Expanse series. Like if you've watched that, it's in the sci-fi space, but it's on Amazon Prime and it's called The Expanse. They had, <laughs> it's like they're eating chow in these spaceships, you know, often the universe, so to speak, you know, going from planet to planet, star to star. And I was I was thinking about how algae could be used to create, you know, what is the future of nutrition for humanity, but, you know, altered to shift its taste profile based on the things that you put in it, because it really is innocuous. Like when you extract an algae fresh, it doesn't have like an overpowering taste. Our soft gels don't. They're just simply extracts that are created through water base and then alcohol, organic alcohol even. So everything's really responsible. And the soft gels themselves, this is another space where algae wins. The soft gels themselves are made from algae. Very cool. Because I was actually just about to ask that. I know that for some people, 
the gel capsules just don't feel good going down and can smell, which is a, an issue that you just addressed. That's not, mm-hmm. not an issue with the Orlo product. So yeah, this is very cool. I have yet to get my first bottle of Orlo, but I am definitely looking forward to it. I know that I need just, you know, more nutrition in general, and I'm not, have not been the, the biggest consistent taker of vitamins. <laughs> I'll say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's hard. I've been what I would almost call a supplementarian for stretches of my life. Uh And you'll see I'll go up and up and up in the level of supplements I'm taking. But I always come back to the basics, which are an omega-3, a good multivitamin, a probiotic, and a grains of some sort. Because you can never get too many grains. So I just kind of look at those four as my four tickets to holistic health when it comes to supplementation. And, you know, if you have deficiencies in other arenas, you can address them singly. But I have also tended to take a a vitamin D product for that reason, because when I get my annual blood work, my vitamin D levels seem to be a little low. So, you know, that's something that you can verify and then augment your nutrients that you're taking in based on what your personal needs are. Right. Yeah, that all definitely makes sense. And that can be your first answer to the seven sustainable questions. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But we will get to our seven sustainable questions next. One more time, just in case you didn't have a pen and paper the first time around or your phone on you, orlonutrition.com is uh, where you can learn more about the brand and the products. So our first of our seven sustainable questions is, can you share with us one longstanding habit that you believe has significantly improved your life? I'm going to sound like an evangelist. (laughs) My husband calls me the omega-3 evangelist. Okay. And I really do think that consuming omega-3 has changed my life. And I can point to a couple of things specifically. So really, when I started taking omega-3s every day, I always had bad vision, right? Growing up, my vision was kind of terrible. Like my parents would say, oh, look at the moon. Isn't it beautiful tonight? I just see like this fuzzy little ball in the sky, right? Couldn't see any of the detail. They'd point to stars and tell me the stars were certain colors and I couldn't see them. So as long as I knew anything, I really couldn't see that well. And so I wore glasses from eighth grade. And by the time that I was in my early 20s, I was like, well, it would be really nice to just get LASIK because I love to be outdoors. I'm a scuba diver. I'm a mountain biker. I ride horses. And just having to wear glasses or contacts all the time just really stinks, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I started working for Nordic Naturals, now after a few years of being in the natural products industry of taking supplements, my vision started getting better taking omega-3s. Literally over the course of two years, my vision improved by three steps. And so I did decide finally to take, to get the LASIK eye surgery when I was 28 after my vision stabilized. Mm -hmm. But it was the first thing where I had like a a noticeable difference in my prescription that I had to use every day (laughs) just over the course of those two years of supplementing. Wow. Wow. I mean, and this was somebody, I lived fairly healthily. I eat a good diet. I eat whole foods. I I'm an omnivore, but I do tend towards plant-based. And ultimately, I still notice these problems. I also had skin issues. Like I would get a little bit of eczema on my hands and feet, especially if I was stressed. Started taking the omega-3s and went away. Like I didn't have any of those problems anymore. And so I just think that 
the power of getting the right nutrition, and this isn't to make people feel like they're less because it's really hard with the foods that are available to get enough of these nutrients unless you're consuming fish three times a week. And if you're consuming fish three times a week, guess what? You're consuming quite a lot of heavy metals and other things that you might not want to be eating. And so, you know, having a solution like this, I think is life-changing. And that's what has probably kept me rooted in the world of omega-3s for as long as I've been here. Amazing. Thank you. That's, uh, you are an evangelist. I think that that's fine, (laughs) especially uh, in the space of uh, environmental sustainability overall. So I love it. I love it. And in terms of, you know, some of your new, possibly less established habits, do you have a new one that you're cultivating in your life right now that you'd be okay sharing? Yeah. You know, I call myself, I'm an aspirational minimalist. And what I mean by that is because sometimes the, the ideas of sustainability and minimalism aren't necessarily completely together. Like from a sustainability perspective, you want to use less resources, pull less from the environment, make the most of the things you have, continually seek to find another use or life for something that you might already have, right? That means I tend to hold on to things because mm-hmm. it's useful life could still be another iteration of itself, right? I have in my garage quite a few boxes, right? right? And those boxes I intend to use as my weed fabric in my garden, but I probably have way more than I need. A minimalist would say, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, it could be an art project, or it might be the next costume I build for my kids using, you know, eco-friendly, finding the second life or something materials. Right. So I'm seeking this world of becoming more minimalistic. And the way that I've integrated that is by just bringing less stuff into my house. And if I do bring something in, whatever it is, that I'm seeking to get rid of something else and find it its next life with someone else, as opposed to just having it end up in the recycle bin or in trash. I'm coming to the world where I understand now better than ever that Things that go in the recycle bin are probably just becoming garbage in most cases, which is is very sad. I used to pride myself on the fact that I used the smallest garbage can and well, but I still might fill my recycle bin. Mm -hmm. So I'm working to minimize all of that. And that's something that I'm going to stick on as my my next path forward. I completely relate to a lot of what you said, and I know that a lot of people that are listening relate to that as well. So. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Sometimes I feel like I'm also holding on to things for too long. I'm like, ah, but then there's that wonderful special moment when you've been holding on to something for a year and it's like, I've got the perfect use for this. And it just, it fits so well. It, it does exactly what you need, need it to do. And you know, then you're, you're grateful. Well, I reused my binders after 20 years. I went to graduate school (laughs) and I was like, oh, I need these again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It happens all the time, all the time. Let's see. So I know that you have had a long career to develop a knowledge and a skill for partnerships in the area of omega-3s. And I know that you talked about the original company that you worked for with the fish-based omega-3s. Is there any other organization or company 
who you look up to in your specific community, perhaps not around omega-3 specifically, but possibly in the plant-based space or the sustainable, you know, nutrition space, something like that. Is there someone that you look up to in that space that you would like to share that you admire? You know, I really have immense respect for the people that are working to solve food challenges with innovation. At the same time, I have this kind of diametrically opposed view to some of them. And so this question is very complicated for me to answer because while I think there's genius in creating protein from thin air, right? Like there's this company up in Walnut Creek called Air Protein. Like that's what they're looking to do. They use basically microbes to create proteins from the things that are in our air, right? At the same time, I think we have better solutions available to us and that our focus should be on creating sustainable solutions that are around the corner, right? And I feel like that's where the world of algae has been. I look at things like the Impossible Burger and think while it's great that they're bringing in more people to this plant-based lifestyle, they're using highly processed soy and other kind of ingredients that take a lot of effort and energy to grow, a lot of water, a lot of space. And so I don't know that I have a direct answer for that, except to say that I really think this, the world of algae and vertical farming are both two spaces that need our attention because they can provide solutions to food insecurity issues, to using less water and resources to grow foods. We're going to be entering a period in which water access becomes increasingly a problem. And I know that may sound a little doomsdayer, but we're already seeing this, especially here in my home state of California. Yeah, no, I mean, it's absolutely accurate. I spent uh, 15 years in Los Angeles, just left not too long ago, and 10 years when I was a kid. So being in that space for a long time, and it's so interesting, not just with the climate and rainfall and snow. Uh, you mentioned Walnut Creek. I remember when I was a kid, it did snow a few times in that area. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing that anymore at all. So precipitation has been an issue there for a long time, and it's only be you know getting increasingly more more desert like <laughs> yeah absolutely well you know you get all your water at once and then no water in the spring and so that creates systems where you don't have the fresh water table being replenished and you're trying to get water in from other areas and so it's something that we need to be concerned with and yeah. i think not just if it's an area if it's an issue in our area or if it's not like if you're in another state where water isn't a problem, well, you know, before you know it, your water might be resourced by a state where it is. Sure. And then we're all in the same boat again. Yeah, I won't go off on a, on a tangent, but yeah. spending, spending time with a family who all live in Las Vegas yeah. and some interesting things that are happening with the water there to increase supply to the region. Right. So, you know, not just having to deal with the issues of the water, you know, what the water wars of the early 1900s created now, potentially doing that to even more regions taking water from there. So it's it's a huge problem. Yeah. I mean, this is why I'm so excited about what Vaxa is doing too with Orlo Nutrition, because 
we're actually growing algae using 1% of the land and water resources that you would use to mm. grow soybeans or cattle or any other number of um, you know, nutrient providing solutions that we might look to. And I know that, you know, looking to cattle as a nutrient when you're talking to people who are vegan or plant-based is, you know, not ideal, but that's a reality for many people around the globe that they go there first for their proteins. And so solutions that I like are ones that, that are really mindful of those water and land resources so that we can move in the right direction and that's scalable quickly as opposed to being something where, you know, it's a pipe dream. That's like the air proteins in the world, right? Yeah. Like how, how quickly can you scale this thing? I mean, it's a great, interesting lab-based technology, but are you going to be feeding people in five years? Yeah, absolutely. There, I mean, myself being entrepreneurial minded, this brings up, it's a wonderful, basically a uh, writing prompt, right? And because of the need for more companies making, whether it's uh, more sustainable physical products or consumable products from more sustainable sources, these are just holes in the market that some we know of and they have yet to be filled. And others of them, it's like, it might take a little bit of brainstorming, but there are probably some brilliant minds out there listening that are looking through their community, will be able to find, you know, a hole in the market, a need that's there and can potentially fill that. Do you, your background is in business overall for entrepreneurs in the audience who are looking to fill a hole in the market that they've found, do you have some, let me just start with one suggestion or kind of first step that you would suggest that they take if they're considering going in on a sustainable business to uh, solve a problem in their local community? Well, I think one thing to keep in mind is if you're starting a business with sustainability in mind from the first day, it's way easier to do that than to be a juggernaut company coming in and deciding, oh, well, now we need to shift our practices to be more sustainable. And so you have the upper hand in a way. You can architect the future that you want to build. It won't be easy. Creating a product start to finish that really takes all of these things into consideration is hard. You know, like I could have created a swag t-shirt like the one I'm wearing for three or four dollars if I didn't care about it being organic cotton or produced with the labor conditions of the people making it in mind or with sustainability and sustainable inks in mind, right? Go to petrochemicals and sweatshops and, you know, you got it done. So you'll have to actually create products that might be a little bit more of a high price in order to do it right. That being said, it doesn't mean it can't be competitive. Like what we've created with Orlo, you know, a two month supply is around $60. If you buy it on subscriptions, that's a dollar a day. So it can compete with a fish oil, right? And so you can create these processes into your business. You may have to invest a little bit more right in the beginning, as with creating a recycled box printed with algae ink, like choosing to do it right in every way. It does cost a little more. There's a reason why, though, and that's really creating a product or a service that is cradle to cradle as opposed to cradle to your garbage pan. Yeah. Yeah. So I think keeping these things in mind as you're building your business, deciding what's important, what you can own, what you can do differently, and 
you know, I've recently got my MBA from Santa Clara after years of working in business. And one of the things that I found really challenging is that in my marketing classes, for example, or one of my marketing classes, they, they talked about building products to satisfice first. Satisfice meaning you're satisfying the market. You're producing a rudimentary product. It might just barely create the type of initiative or product that you're seeking to create. And this is becoming very, very popular in the world of technology, right? Because you create the product first to satisfy and then you improve it in its 2.0 iteration or 3.0 or 4.0 or 5.0. But if we take that perspective when we're building consumables and products that create waste, then we're actually contributing to the problem of building extractive businesses that aren't truly sustainable. Yeah. So I think putting a little extra effort, energy, sometimes money investment behind doing it right in the beginning is critical to long-term success. Thank you for that. Absolutely wonderful advice. Do you have an internet resource that you specifically find helpful mm. on a regular basis that you think would also be beneficial to share with our listeners? You know, I'm really interested in putting more good into the world and not extracting. <laughs> And so I know one of your other questions is going to come to this too, but I have two websites I really like. So sure. one is the Carbon Underground. It is a not-for-profit co-founded by a friend from the industry, Tom Newmark, which is all about bringing carbon back to earth and putting it underground by using trees and plants, essentially, right? And so there's a lot of educational resources there around it. You learn about regenerative agriculture and the ways of shifting our patterns of even thinking about the food that we would seek to create to build a regenerative future. And then on that same theme is the site regeneration.org, which is the brainchild of Paul Hawken, who is an environmentalist that I think everybody should know. He's also someone with roots in the natural products industry. I've looked up to him for a long, long time, and I got the chance to feature him on my podcast, Care More Be Better, in September, just around the release of his book, Regeneration, Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation. And what I love about that particular resource, regeneration.org, is that it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure coverage of what you can do in the world of sustainable thinking. Now, he doesn't like the word sustainability at all anymore. He and many environmentalists like him are leaning on the word regeneration, which is hence the title of the book on the website. But if you choose to champion, let's say, fashion or um, water use, or you're concerned with the poverty industry and how it creates cyclic oppression and, you know, not enough access to resources, which then mean that people tend to, you know, take from or extract from their environment more rather than build regenerative systems. Like each of these things is segmented throughout the site so you can decide what you want to become most active in. And he even offers you the ability to create your punch list, essentially, of the things that you're going to change in your daily life to make a bigger impact. So if you want to kind of unleash that inner activist, that inner climate scientist, that you can educate yourself there and you can seek paths to really what you want to choose to champion more. Awesome. Awesome. And both of those resources, both the carbonunderground.org and regeneration.org, is that correct? Yeah. Will be in the show notes for this episode. So go and check those out. 
And uh, our next question is, do you, would you recommend a book or a movie <laughs> or a podcast for sustainable minds out there that are hoping to shift their mindset specifically to become the change that they, that they want to see in the world? Okay. Well, the quick answer to that one is Regeneration, Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation, that book mm -hmm. that I just mentioned, the website. It literally is chapterized so you can discover more around each of these arenas. As far as a podcast, I would have to plug my own, yes. Nutrition <laughs> Without Compromise. So that's all about nutrition um, without really negatively impacting the planet. So nutrition without compromising your ethics or the health of the planet. I also have Care More Be Better, which is my flagship podcast. I, I do have a lot of environmental content there. But I think between, you know, looking to something like Paul Hawkins' work with regeneration and seeking to understand how you can nourish yourself without negatively impacting the environment, these two things for me are at least my passion centers. Wonderful, wonderful. And we will have uh, links to both of your podcasts, Nutrition Without Compromise and Care More Be Better, in the show notes for this episode, just in case someone is interested in uh, listening to either of those shows. Can you give us just a couple more sentences to describe what they're about? Yeah. So I started Care More Be Better in January of 2021 to really focus on issues of social impact, sustainability, and regeneration. Hmm. I added the term regeneration after interviewing Paul Hawken because, you know, they feel like sustainability has been co-opted by people who greenwash. And so yeah. I think he's right about that. I honestly do. There's so many companies who talk about sustainability. You'll have British Petroleum mm -hmm. rebrand themselves as beyond petroleum. And yet only 4% of their investment right. is in something other than petrochemicals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That always makes me laugh. And so, you know, that podcast, I will dive into things that impact people from an inequality perspective access to funding perspective. I talk even to a couple of venture capitalists that are seeking to change the way that we invest in companies, invest in female-led or minority-led businesses, as opposed to just the white male-led businesses, which, you know, most of the VC money goes to those. So I cover all sorts of topics that are along those lines. I do have a 10 podcast series that I initiated on the topic of regeneration, ending the climate crisis in one generation kicking off with the interview with Paul, but then doing a deep dive into each of the chapters of his book. And as far as nutrition without compromise is concerned, you know, thus far, we've been able to connect with some incredible thought leaders, one of whom is Dr. William Lee, who wrote the book Eat to Beat Disease, largely about going to a plant-based diet or something that is much more whole foods based. And he's a New York Times bestseller. He's doing really incredible work. And I'm even starting four podcast series that will go into his additional training program that's available for sale if people are interested in it, just because the content of the book is so good. Like I, for the first time, I think in my career of being in the natural products industry, read a book on eating to beat disease that felt like it checked every single box of where the research is and didn't make lofty claims really rooted and in, in what's real and while also making it practical and applicable to a, an individual's life. Like you can put these things into effect in your daily life and be more healthy. It's incredible. So 
I'm doing a series on that and on nutrition without compromise. It started with Dr. Lee's episode, but kind of stemming from my approach with regeneration as well, because people can learn more. And sadly today, fewer people want to pick up a book and actually read it cover to cover. And so I, I'm passionate about creating content that will help them on their way to getting the information and a method that would support their future health. So Karina, thank you so much for joining us. I want everyone to head on over to orlonutrition.com, check out their story, their mission, but also check out their shop. And uh, you can get a $10 discount off of their starter kit. And the prices will vary whether you're just buying a one-off or the subscription. And all of that packaging is either recyclable or recycled. And then they have a, a reusable glass portion that you can learn more about on their website and exactly how that all works. Karina, can you give us some final words or parting pieces of guidance to sustainable minds out there? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, being a sustainability advocate is a journey. We're never perfect on day one. It's okay to make incremental changes in your daily life that ultimately lead you in the direction you want to go and the place that you want to land at. And you'll never be sorry if you consume a great omega-3 from algae. It will only help your health. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. To learn more about today's guests, head on over to asustainablemind.com and type their name into the search bar or click the link in the description. Want to support the show? The easiest and most effective way to support us is to leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps the show get in front of more people who are looking for stories just like this one. And if you want to suggest a guest, contribute to the show, or just say hey, head on over to asustainablemind.com forward slash hello to get connected with me and to get involved. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on A Sustainable Mind. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Without Compromise. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more, visit orlonutrition.com and join our mailing list. You'll gain access to complete show notes, features, and informative blogs because nutrition shouldn't be an either or. 